This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome to Invest Talk. This is our Monday, November 4th, 2019 edition of Invest Talk. And we are at all time highs in the market. Pretty interesting development over the past week or so. And there's a lot going on with the potential trade deal with China. You obviously had a Fed rate cut last week. We have changes in what is expected to be a very contentious Democratic primary coming up in uh, a few months. And just a lot going on economically. Obviously, Hong Kong and their civil unrest. There's a lot to digest in today's market. And you are probably here for unbiased guidance, and that's what we are here to give you. I'm Justin Klein. I thank you for joining me on this Monday. I hope you will call me with your investing or money-related questions and when and if you do make that call, you can shape the show to your particular advantage and we can help you more effectively move that next step in your path towards financial freedom. Now we're going to do that each and every weekday with a philosophy of shared independent thinking and shared success. Excuse me. Now today in this hour, I'm going to do my best to answer all of your questions and give you as much relevant information that I can. You know, in today's world, there's so much information on social media and the apps that we use, TV, podcasts, right? You're probably listening to this on a podcast as well. There's just a lot of data to digest. So I try to give you what matters and in a form that is digestible. So you can make relevant decisions for yourself because everyone's situation is going to be a little different. So what is relevant to you might not be relevant to the next person. Okay, so let me take a few seconds to let you know that if you live anywhere in the New York area, Steve will be there this Thursday. I believe he had one cancellation. uh, uh, The person had an, an event that they had to get to this Thursday. So I think he has one appointment available then, I think one Friday as well. So he conducts these no-cost portfolio review consultations regularly, and this time he's doing it, like I said, this Thursday and Friday, November 7th and 8th. These are sit-down consultations, one-on-one, analyze your personal situation, portfolio, financial path. Make sure you're right on the right track. So act quickly and make your reservation through investtalk.com. Now, my main talking point today concerns the news that 55, yes, 55% of workers are choosing to keep their assets in their former employer's 401k plan past a year into retirement. And the big question is, should you? What are the variables? And there are actually a couple of variables, a couple of factors that would make it make sense for you to keep your old 401k at your employer, the previous employer, right? 
as opposed to rolling into an IRA. So we're going to talk about what those might be. Also, news came out today. There was a Federal Reserve survey, and what they do is they survey underwriters and those that are giving out loans to customers. And they say, are you lending more to these type of firms, less to these type of firms? Is the demand stronger or weaker? Right? So these are the factors that they're, they're, they're surveying. And it has a large effect on the economy, right? Because if companies and individuals aren't taking out more loans, they're not expanding the money supply in the economy, and less business gets done. And that is a drag on the overall economy. So we're going to talk about that. If it's strong, right, more money is being lent out, there's more money in the economy to be spent and have business activity upon. So it's a very important survey. It's something that's kind of under the radar in a lot of ways, but I always track it and whatever comes out, it's an important indicator to me what type of lending is happening in the economy and whether that's good or bad. So we're going to talk about that. Also, when should you claim your social security check? We're going to discuss that. And then lastly, if you're trying to slash spending, I'm going to show you some ways that you can do it. Some people call this no spend November, right? They save up in order to spend money for the holidays. And so people tend to pull back right now in order to spend later. So we're going to potentially get to that as well. But first, let's get to Sri in San Mateo. And he is asking about his 401k. Hi, um, thanks for taking my call. I have a question yeah, thanks, um, on how to invest into gold ETFs in 401k. Is there, I don't know if that's the right question or how do I go about that? Well, it, it's all up to whether you have those funds available within your 401k. So a lot of times you don't. Most 401ks don't have that flexibility. It's your standard foreign funds and you know domestic large mid small you probably have some bond funds in there probably some target dated funds right does that accurately describe your fund lineup yes it is okay and that's not atypical <clears throat> so unfortunately it's sad but a lot of a, a lot of leadership and a lot of advice within that industry is to not give those type of choices. They basically say the less choices, the better for the individual. And I, I disagree with it, even though a lot of studies say, you know, give you more choices, they, they spend or they save less and they invest pro improperly, etc. But I rather give people the ability to, like you said, invest in other asset classes that they may not, uh, they may want access to at some point. And... The best advice is to A, go to your HR department and say, hey, I want a gold fund because I guarantee the fund uh, provider, who is that? Is it, is it Fidelity? Is it T. Rowe Price? Who is it? Charles Schwab. Charles Schwab. They have that available. There's Those funds are available. Your HR department has to, let, has to add those funds to the fund lineup, but they have to do it. You can't do it. Or what you could do, and I don't know if this is available, it's available in some plans and not others, is a self-directed brokerage account. And that would opt all of that, that money into 
a brokerage account, probably at Schwab, uh, and then you can invest in ETFs or individual companies, right? And I'm not sure. Is that a possibility for you? Um, I can check with them, but I'm not sure. Yeah, I would check on that as well. So those would be the two ways. The The simplest is just to have them add the best gold mining eat, uh, mutual fund onto your fund lineup, but also that comes down to a lot of other variables as well and whether they're going to actually agree with you or not is another subject. But if you could just opt into a self-directed brokerage account, that would easily do it. Thanks for the call, Shree. Now you're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein and we present this program with five new shows each and every week, Monday through Friday. And it is broadcast and streamed live in the four o'clock Pacific time hour on investtalk.com. Hope you will tell your friends and family members about Invest Talk. And whenever you have investment questions, I encourage you to reach out to me or Steve. Or you can explore our podcast library. Search, listen, and subscribe. Please take a second to rate the Invest Talk podcast as well at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. I'm now ready to take your questions live at 888 chart. In today's market, more than ever, you need unbiased investing guidance because it can help you achieve financial freedom. Well, you've come to the right place, Invest Talk. And Justin Klein is here now taking your calls live. So step up with your questions, 888-99-CHART. Let's go to James in Sonoma looking at the bank of the Ozarks, correct? Yes, Bank of the Ozarks. I, I'm not interested in buying it right at the moment. It's already had a 10% move in the last month. Uh, but I'm curious, what do you think of this particular stock? And then what do you think of bank stocks in general uh, uh, going into this economy where there's a possibility of going to recession late next year or early the following year? Well, I don't love bank stocks right now is simply because we are late in that cycle and They've been there's been a lot of bad led, bad lending in the industry and Bank of the Ozarks they actually lend a lot to the Florida real estate market uh, and it's a very high risk market and this rolled over from a high in 2017 of a, a little over fifty dollars a share fifty five dollars a share now we're down to twenty eight seventy eight so they're already seeing a, a big decline in earnings since uh, 2018. So a lot of this has been priced in, and it has rallied a little bit recently with the overall finance industry, the banking industry. But I do not like this name at all. If I'm going to invest in the banks, I'm going to have a large bank, that like a J.P. Morgan type, that maybe doesn't have as good of a dividend or uh, potential growth prospects. But I don't want a high-risk bank, right? J.P. Morgan would be on the lower end of the risk spectrum. And so I would not be investing in Bank of the Ozarks. I would pass and go with something safer. But I just don't like the banking industry overall right now. Let's go to Mudo in San Jose asking about 401k as well. Madhu. Uh, yeah. Uh, hi. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Uh, I have a question regarding the 401k. So my employer okay. is supporting both 401k and uh, Roth 401k. Um, okay. So And uh, they are also supporting... Uh, 4% match in 401k, uh, which is a good uh, for the investment vehicle uh, in both. 
Okay. And what's your question? Yeah, my question is, uh, uh, which one is the good for investment, uh, retirement investment, like 401k or Roth 401 Well, they should have the same investment options. And this is something that a lot of people get, get confused. Uh, they talk about an IRA as an investment or a 401k as an investment. They're not investments. They're just simply account types. Now, you put investments in them and certain types of four, you know, certain 401ks have certain investment options, okay? And I would imagine your employer allows both all of their types of investments within each the Roth 401k and regular 401k. Now, when you're looking at Roth versus a regular IRA or 401k, you're looking at your own tax bracket today versus what it likely will be in the future. So that's why we typically say younger people, you want to put money in a Roth because you, they're probably not making that much money. And what you're doing is you're locking in that low tax base today. Now, I'm not sure how much money you make, Budo, but if you make a lot of money, you're in a high tax bracket and you put money into a Roth 401k, then you're locking in that high tax rate. So it only makes sense for people that are typically middle to low end of the tax spectrum. And you can always do, if you put it into a, say, a regular 401k and you, you change jobs, you eventually get that, get that into an IRA, regular IRA, you can do what's called a Roth conversion. And there can be a, a strong strategy for that if you have the right CPA who understands it and can advise you on that. And that's why I say you don't really want to put money into the Roth unless you're pretty sure you want to lock in that low, lowish tax rate um, today. And I do agree that long-term rates are probably going to go up. And right now is actually probably relatively advantageous for uh, tax rates since we just have the tax cut. So there, there's a lot of factors that go into it. I would lean to know more about your particular tax situation. But it, this is a better question actually for your CPA to advise you both today and going forward. Thanks for the call. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. If you've been listening to Invest Talk for a while, you've heard me say that I believe every investor should determine their own individual risk tolerance. It's the first step to building a portfolio and a strategy that makes sense for you, keeps you in your investment comfort zone. So you can take our free risk analysis tool over at investtalk.com. Now I'm ready to take your questions live at 888 99Chart. This is Invest Talk. Steve Peasley's New York City consultation trip is set for this Thursday. Yes, Steve Peasley will be sitting down with listeners to help them maximize the performance of their portfolios. Steve's personalized consultations are offered at no cost and with no obligation. Learn more and register now at investtalk.com. The phone lines are open. Steve and Justin welcome your investing questions. Call 888-99-CHART. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. That's how you get through and ask your question on today's show. We have about a half hour left, and it's going to go by rather quickly, so I urge you to do it sooner rather than later. Now, let's touch on our main talking point today. We had a couple calls in relation to 401k, but more than half of workers are choosing to leave their assets in their former employer's 401k plan a year into retirement, meaning they retire, stop working, maybe collect some social security, 
and they're not rolling that money over into a 401k or doing anything with it. They're just leaving it there. Now, four years ago, that figure was 45%. Now, some retirees may also not be sure what to do with that money, right? They, they don't know that they can roll it over into an IRA, for example. They also might not know that they can roll it into their next 401k. Some of those retirees might just move to, or those people that leave their job might just move on to a new job, maybe more part-time with less responsibility, etc. That's certainly uh, a consideration as well. Now, when you're thinking about this, when you're thinking about what you should do, you need to consider a few things. There's two instances where it makes a lot of sense to leave it in your previous employer's 401k and not, not touch it. One is if you plan to maybe retire early between 55 and 60, because in a 401k, you can take money out penalty free starting age 55, where with an IRA, it's 59 and a half. The vast majority of people are not going to have that situation, but if that's you, then that's something that needs to be considered. Also, if you're going to work longer, and I think this is going to apply to more and more people over time, if you're going to work past 70, it makes sense to keep it in the 401k because guess what? If you're working and all your all of those four all that 401k money is in your current employer's 401k, you don't need to take distributions because you're still working, you're still contributing to it. But if it's outside of that, it's an IRA, then you're going to have to take your RMD. RMDs, required minimum distributions. So those are the main factors that would necessitate uh, that would necessitate you keeping it within a four hundred one k plan, in some way. But the vast majority of people should be rolling into a four hundred one k. Why is that? Sorry, rolling into an IRA. Why is that? Well, you get more options, right? With a 401k, we talked about before, you're just set with these funds that you, your HR department picked. They may be good, they may be bad. Most 401ks have a mix of both. You know, a few bad, a few that are average, and a few that are pretty good. But why not open yourself up to any stock, especially now with stock trading is free. Buy a stock, it's free. Okay. Opens yourself up to other mutual funds, other ETFs, individual stocks, bonds, individual bonds, if you want to be safe, CDs, things that are much safer. Also, within a 401k plan overall, there are costs associated with that, and some employers pass that cost on to the employee, meaning if your money's still sitting at that old employer, you're part of that group of funds that is paying the management costs or the, the oversight costs of that 401k overall. Now, some employers pay for it themselves, and some make their employers employees pay. So that's something to consider as well. So what are those overall fee levels? What are your fund choices? But overall, it makes sense about 95% of the time to roll that old 401k into an IRA. 
888 chart 888 is how you get through and ask your question on today's show. Let's touch on the Federal Reserve's survey that came out today, and it's about the demand for business loans. And what's interesting is that it weakened in some areas. It strengthened in some areas. Strengthened in areas like consumer loans, credit cards, auto loans, mortgages. That was the positive note on this report. But that was mainly towards the consumer. So the consumer continues to borrow and is up for taking on more debt. Now, banks have tightened their standards for credit card loans and other types of consumer loans for people that have credit scores less than 620. So, you know, your, your junk borrowers. But what was interesting was the demand for business loans weakened because of lack of investment. Among respondents who saw weaker demand, 63.6% said that the lower business investment was a somewhat important factor, while 22.7% said it was very important. So I thought that was very interesting uh, as well, that businesses aren't going out and, and borrowing in a, in a fervent manner. And if they're not willing to reinvest in their business, that could mean that they are maybe not going to hire many workers in the future as well. On the next Invest Talk, a decade after the global financial crisis, a security with some of the same high-risk characteristics is starting to take off. Risky mortgage bonds are back and delinquencies are piling up. Steve will talk about that tomorrow, but for now, give me a call at 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk, made possible by KPP Financial, where they describe their services as independent thinking, shared success. And this philosophy is why KPP Financial can be of great value to investors. KPP Principals Steve Peasley and Justin Klein are committed to unbiased guidance. They don't upsell clients into expensive and questionable investments. Instead, Steve and Justin provide honest opinions and proven strategies based on the individual's current portfolio and risk tolerance. Working with KPP Financial you can be assured of consistent dedication toward the goal of helping you achieve financial freedom. You can get things started with a phone call or a simple message through investtalk.com. Take the next step toward your financial freedom. Contact KPP Financial. This is Invest Talk. Are you doing everything possible to make sure that your investments are performing as well as they should be? Well, there's a treasure trove of wealth-building information freely accessible right now at investtalk.com. You'll find investment strategies and unbiased guidance. The phone lines are open, Justin's here, and he's ready for your questions. Call 888-99-CHART. Hi, guys. I'm a regular listener to your show. I had a quick question. I'm in a little bit of a, a spot here. I was in Bitcoin. I'm also in a marijuana stock called or ACB. Sold out of Bitcoin. Took 200 profit because it's starting to get a little low right now. So I got about an extra thousand dollars now. My only issue is ACB. I'm down about a thousand dollars or 50 percent. I wanted to get a second opinion on that particular company as far as long term growth. Whether I should put that all that money or a certain amount of money into it to average down 
and see if that grows later on or take that money, hold on to it, because I also know we've, you guys talked about a recession being here, but, you know, it's a lot of noise. So just kind of want some options, possibly some opinions, and then an idea on maybe where ACB might be heading towards in the future. Thank you guys very much. Well, he's looking at Aurora Cannabis, and I don't think the cannabis sector is going to be affected too much by a potential recession. Obviously, there's been a lot of hot money going into that space, and it's kind of come out of it recently. Uh, Aurora is a good example. We're at a high of $10 and change just in late 2018, now at $3.60 a share. So it's down pretty dramatically. So it's a market cap of $3.6 billion, which is very high in relation to its sales. I mean, last quarter, it did 908, called 99 million in sales overall. So it's still trading rather richly, and technically, it doesn't look very hot. I think this is probably headed down towards about $2 a share, so that would put the market cap somewhere in the in the, in a neighborhood of of two billion. Uh, so I, I I much much like it. I like it much better there uh, at, at that uh, area if I'm going to pick up shares. But the cannabis space in general, it's it's kind of the wild west right now. You have a lot of people trying to get into it. CBD products. Uh, you're talking about the potential of legalization here in the United States. And Aurora clearly is benefiting from the legalization in Canada. And that looks likely to continue, but the big question is where will their market share stabilize? So there's, it's hard for me to give you a great sense of where this business is eventually going. There's a lot of that growth already priced in, and you're getting a much better price than you were at $10 a share now at 360 but technically, it's just looking very weak and looks like it wants to head down to around the $2 area. So I wouldn't be putting money into it here. It doesn't look like it's it's changing its direction. It just looks like it's consolidating in a bearish manner to head back down to that $2 level. So I would pass on it for now. Uh, and it's really hard for me to tell any of these cannabis stocks what their pathway to profitability, what their pathway to strong cash flow will be in the future because it's just uh, it's just an open the outcome of the industry as a whole and how it's legalized and who are the leaders upon that legalization. You know What happens if Philip Morris and, and Altria, that type, come in and kind of take their market share who are better operators and have a, a, a history of distribution and, and being able to uh, produce products that are wanted. And I think there's so much up in the air with this space but if you're looking to buy this name and you've done your research and you really like it, $2 a share is where you'd look at it. Let's go to Usher in New Jersey looking at McDonald's. Are you looking to buy it, sell it, give it away? Yes. Uh, hi, Justin. This is Usher. Um, so um, I'm you know, planning to buy it. Um, it has uh, you know, its recent set of controversies about its CEO. Um, you also had, uh, you know, um, they also missed uh, you know, their last... Uh, Earning expectations, the stock is down from, you know, um, <clears throat> about from 210 down to, you know, in higher 180s. So just wanted to get your feedback to what would be the right time to get a long position in the stock. Thank you. Thanks for the call. Uh, so the McDonald's, their news today was their CEO resigned after there was news that came out that they were, uh, that he had sexual relations with an employee 
clearly that was a violation of company policy and he resigned because of it. Now, like Usher said, they just recently went, came off earnings and their earnings were not very good either. So it's kind of uh, adding insult to injury here. But it is down from about 220 all the way to 188 at the close today. But it does look like it has more potential downside. I think into that 155 level is the next big support level. 155, 156, that area is where it would make more sense to me. And you'd get a valuation of enterprise value even probably in the 16, 15 to 16 range. Where right now it's around 18, which is very high, especially if you look back in history. So it's it's not a cheap name. It's barely growing. I think you you're kind of late to the game. You know, even in that 155 area, it's still relatively expensive. Certainly cheaper than it has been over the past uh, few months or so. But it's still not a great bargain at those levels either. But if I'm thinking about adding it long term, you know, certainly a good company will will produce strong dividends and cash flow long term. You're just not getting it very cheap. But I, at the very least, I would wait for that 155 level. And honestly, I'd probably wait wait till the 100 level to get it to where it's an evaluation that is more aligned with a long term. multiples that it tends to trade at. I mean, if you look over the past 20 years or so, enterprise value EBA tends to range between about 9 and now is high, 18, 19. But averages somewhere in the neighborhood of maybe 12. So it needs to go down another 30, 40% just to get into long-term averages of valuation. And that's why I would pass on it to at least 155 and probably more like $100 a share. Let's go to Jesse in San Jose. He's talking about an IRA. Hi, uh, first time caller. Uh, actually, just started listening to you guys not too long ago. Um, question about the IRA is: uh, I actually just had a 401k and did a rollover to an IRA. And uh, my question is: I have I have enough money in there, uh, and I wanted to start investing but I wanted to actually uh, get an opinion on actually taking money out uh, of the IRA to have cash, like capital to do so and what your thoughts are on that. What would you take the money out for? To start, uh, I was thinking day trading. Day trading. Uh, No, I definitely would not do that. Um, You know, most people who day trade lose money. They, they, it takes a lot of uh, really discipline and having a solid strategy in order to be successful at day trading. Not to say you can't do it, but you need a lot of time, a lot of data, a lot of discipline. Like I said, I would definitely paper trade for months and months before I would ever day trade. Uh, you don't want to jump into it like that. And then if you take money out of the IRA, you're going to be charged a penalty of 10% and it's income to you as well. Now, there are, you could... If you're in an IRA, you could potentially day trade uh, a few times. There are some rules on that with uh, with day trading, so I would look at that with your broker. Um, but you can do those every once in a while. So I might start with that IRA and do a few trades just to get used to it. Um, but I definitely wouldn't fund some sort of day trading account with your IRA. That's just uh, 99 times out of 100 is a poor choice and a poor endeavor. I know it sounds exciting. It sounds interesting. Sounds fun, but it's not the way that I would go. It's uh, I heard this a lot in the '90s, late '90s, you know, even the the mid 2000s. 
a lot of people taking money out of their, out of their homes then um, to day trade. But you know, this is not the time to do so. And I would pass on that option. Thanks for the call, Jesse. I'm Justin Klein, and you are listening to Invest Talk, and obviously you understand the importance of unbiased guidance and experienced market analysis, and that's why I encourage you to subscribe to our KPP Premium newsletter. It's written and distributed every single Friday. It gives you valuable, valuable market information, market analysis, portfolio management guidance, personal finance tips, stock ideas, etc. It comes to your email box every single Friday. And you can subscribe anytime at investtalk.com. And now I'm ready to take your questions live at 888 chart This is Invest Talk. Steve Peasley's New York City consultation trip is set for this Thursday. Yes, Steve Peasley will be sitting down with listeners to help them maximize the performance of their portfolios. Steve's personalized consultations are offered at no cost and with no obligation. Learn more and register now at investtalk.com. The phone lines are open. Steve and Justin welcome your investing questions. Call 888-99-CHART. Hey, Steve. Hey, Justin. Love the show. I'm just wondering why China seems to always make a big announcement, a negative announcement about trade as soon as the S&P 500 hits an all-time high. Wondering if this some kind of ploy for them to hurt our markets, hurt our economy. But it seems like every time the S&P 500 is an all-time high, we get a negative announcement from China. Just wondering why that happens or if you have any insight into any trends you see. Looking forward to hearing the answer on the show. Thanks, guys. Oh, well, I think it's the exact opposite. Uh, the market tends to rally. Just this recent rally is a good example of hope and optimism around an actual trade deal. And you've seen that recently over the past six, seven months or so that is consistent where Trump is optimistic and, you know, they, they meet and both sides meet and they discuss different points of a potential deal. And then eventually China or the U.S., we back out of a deal because there couldn't be enough to be agreed upon in order to make something substantial. That's another reason why we're here with this kind of trade deal they're discussing. It's not very far-reaching. It's not very broad. It's very narrow. Um, and there's still not a lot of specifics about it. So typically, the market will rally on the potential news. Remember, markets always try to anticipate news. When the news comes out, it's almost always priced in to some degree. So what happens is you have this pricing in of a potential trade deal, and then they fall apart. And I've talked recently you know, for, for a while now about why I think they do fall apart, because Trump is on a short-term timeline and China's on a long-term tri- timeline. And so they don't see eye-to-eye on the issues. And their goals are very different around the issues. And that's why it's very hard for them to come to a deal. And therefore, when China, like you said, backs out of a trade deal or some bad news around that, the market starts to retrench to an, a time when a trade deal is not expected, okay, or a valuation in which a trade deal is not expected. So that's what I think is happening here, and I think it's fairly clear. Now, the market's at new highs. Now, that might be saying, hey, this is the best shot at there actually being a trade deal or the highest percentage chance compared to past news events that there will be a trade deal. So 
I think there's certainly better than there has been better odds that there has been, but I still don't believe they'll come to something, anything substantial that will roll back tariffs and and change the way uh, Trump has been dealing with China over the past year and a half or so. Thanks for the call. Good question. Now let's talk a little bit about Social Security. Talked a lot about 401k on today's show, but Social Security is a big factor for most people. And even though Congress has failed to heed warnings around the sustainability of Social Security long term, you know, it's not really going anywhere. And I think a lot of people will say, well, we're not going to get Social Security, so why even plan on it? Why even discuss it? And I disagree with that because I think the country or the Fed will just print money. We, we can control our own dollar. We have our own treasury. That's what's happening now, right? We're borrowing a ton of money because of entitlements, because of tax cuts, because of just fiscal irresponsibility on both sides of the aisle for a long, long time. And now we're borrowing so much money, the Fed is having to create money out of thin air with their repo uh, operation and basically monetize the debt. And so what it tells me is that that's what's going to happen, right? Long term, they're just going to continue to monetize the debt, monetize our fiscal problems, and continue to kick the can down the road. And therefore, Social Security will still be there, I think, 30, 40, 50 years now because politicians will keep it intact and the Fed or Federal Reserve will keep that intact as well, most likely. Now, how do you decide when to take Social Security? Now, if you're healthy and you expect to live a long time, you obviously want to maximize the benefits that you receive. And you do that by delaying the start of Social Security benefits until the age of 70. Now, if you're if you at the age of 62, your life expectancy as a male is 21.6 years. So, you know, call it 83, 84 years. If you get all the way to 70, it's another 14 years. So you're talking 80, about 85, 84, 85. So Females are expected to live two to three years longer than those lifespans, right, into their mid to late 80s. But most people are going to live well past 85. The 85 and over population is projected to more than double from 6.4 million in 2016 to 14.6 in 2040. With the advances in technology and anti-aging techniques that are being developed right now, being researched, it's going to be more and more common for people to live well past 85, which means you want to maximize your Social Security payout. Now, the problem is that far too many older Americans are relying on this income. And a lot of people get to 62 and they don't have a lot of other income, either because of health reasons or just bad planning, and they're forced to take it early. Among elderly Social Security beneficiaries, 48% of married couples and 69% of single individuals receive 50% or more of their income from Social Security. So they're very reliant on it. 21% of married couples and 44 rely 90% or more of their income on Social Security. So it's just a poor situation and it means that you need to plan to not take Social Security until you're 70 and if you aren't, then you're doing yourself a disservice. We're going to our last segment right now, so give me a call at 888-99-CHART. Your objective is to work hard, plan well, and achieve financial freedom, right? You're in luck. 
because Justin Klein is here now, ready to take your finance and investment questions. Call 888-99-CHART. Hey guys, this is Rick calling from Chicago. I have a question about stock ticker MA MasterCard. Uh, in the last week or so, it's taken a tumble, but everything I'm seeing as far as earnings per shares, estimates, profit margins, and revenue growth look really strong. I was wondering your thoughts on the stock and if I should go ahead and add to my current positions. Thanks, guys. Love the show. And are you guys ever planning on coming to Chicago? I'd love to come visit. Thanks. I was in Chicago two weekends ago for uh, an unrelated uh, event. But yeah, I I love Chicago. Uh, My family's actually from Chicago. Moved out here to California in the late 70s. So I have some roots there in general, but uh, don't plan on it uh, for Invest Talk. But we'll definitely consider that because now we're going to New York and the podcast is definitely getting a lot bigger around the country. So wouldn't shock me if we end up there over the next few years. So watch out for that. But MasterCard. MasterCard has been relatively weak over the past uh, few months. And technically, it does look like it's only going to get weaker. And this is a company who's in very sound financial position very modest levels of debt, $278 billion market cap, less than $10 billion in debt. Enterprise value to EBITDA is 31 though. So it's pretty expensive at these lofty levels. And earnings are supposed to grow about 18% this year, 18% next year. So it's a solid grower in that sense. Its return equity is very high. It's a very, very profitable business. Cash flow is extremely strong, $2 billion a quarter. So overall, its business is, is fantastic, but you're, play, you're paying a pretty expensive price at these levels. So I would not be adding to it until probably about 185. You're at 276 now. That's the area that I would be relatively comfortable with it from a valuation perspective. And it's also a name that I watch to see whether or not there's relative strength compared to the overall market or not that and, and and visa because clearly these are two vital parts of our economy how many people use a credit card more than a few times a day and it's probably a visa or a mastercard for the most part i know amex is in there as well but if they're rolling over this is a good indicator of kind of the overall economy as well so i certainly watch this and the weakness is, is something I, I pay attention to. Uh, but valuation-wise, MasterCard is not something that I would love at these levels, but certainly on a pullback, on a drop in the economy, it is a very attractive name long, long-term, but not a great buying opportunity today. Let's take a quick, quick look at some key benchmarks. Oil was up a little bit to $54 a barrel. Gasoline prices to $260 per gallon on a national basis. And here in California, we continue to pay the most, $4.07 per gallon. FYI, most of that is taxes, taxes from the government to make our roadways. Roadways are good, though. Two-year treasury yield was 1.59%. You're seeing yields tick up on that optimism around the trade war. Certainly, the strong jobs data on Friday is saying the Fed's going to be on pause for a little bit. At least that's what the treasury market is pricing in. Gold was... Down a bit to 1508 an ounce, but continues to kind of consolidate right around that $1,500 an ounce level. And Bitcoin is at 9500 per coin. 
still continues to kind of consolidate around this phase in no man's land, in my technical opinion. We're reaching new highs for the S&P and Dow and NASDAQ. And you know that 55 million people in the U.S. now have a 401k. That's up from 41 million last year. So a lot of people are are adding to their 401k or are setting up 401ks. 35 million people in the U.S. have IRAs. So that shows you. 401ks continue to be the powerhouse of retirement and saving vehicles across the United States. So it's a great tool. Everyone who who could get a 401k, you need to set one up. And it's consistent saving mechanism has saved a lot of people from financial ruin. A lot of people, it hits their bank account. It's hard for them to back off and, and not spend it. They tend to find a place to spend it, do something with that money as opposed to put it away for retirement. That's why 401ks are the best tool. Steve will be in New York this Thursday, FYI. So if you want to set up an appointment with him, go to investtalk.com. I'm Justin Klein, and this completes another Invest Talk program. Steve will return tomorrow. I'll be back on Wednesday. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is President and Justin Klein Chief Executive Officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.